0: So we'll be um going to myself uh Gail and Jonathan we're going to be speaking on responding to the king, so we're going to have a bit of a trilogy tonight, which will be exciting uh well if you if you want to get a positive response from me, don't uh, try and communicate to me through hints or silent clues or facial gestures or whatever um In the early years of marriage, I can remember my wife Michelle trying to communicate to me through subtle hints and silent clues. It was very interesting, to say the least. I'm getting a little better at understanding her language. But if someone wants to get a positive response from me or would like me to do something, then they need to talk, they need to communicate to me in simple, plain, crystal clear English. That's what's going to work. And let me just say to the women here tonight, that blank look on his face is because he doesn't understand them either. Joke, right. The beginning or the conception of God in the flesh is really, really subtle, I think. Really subtle communication. I would have thought that there would have been a, another, let's say, more believable way of God the King communicating, if you like, that he's becoming human. It's not what I would have done if I was God. I think for a start, I would have made it a whole lot more public. I would have employed such razzmatazz that people would go, this is undeniably the hand of God. So I would have had God, God's deafening voice being heard by every person across the globe at the same time. And I would have had... An appearance of God, God appearing to every person on the whole globe at the same time. So people would go, this is undeniably God. This is amazing. I mean, it's the way it is with human royalty. If you think about Mary from Tassie gets married to a, a Danish prince, they conceive a baby and all of Australia knows about it. It's across the, the news ways, it's on uh, the TV, it's, it's cyberspace. Another royal family member on the way and everybody knows about it. Now I know there were angels and stuff, right? There were angels, there were throngs of them singing praises to God in the presence of the shepherds, but, but that wasn't at the start even. And that was only to such a, a few people. But it seems that God does things in a whole lot... Less obvious compared to what I would do way, if you like. Really subtle signs. It's like he's leaving people with an option. And the option is, do you listen? Do you listen and watch carefully? And then put your faith in and then act? Or will we just not listen and not really pay attention and then miss it altogether? I wanted tonight, how are you responding to the subtle prompts of God the King in your life? So if you have your Bibles, you want to quickly turn them to chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 18. You can do that. So this is verse 18 of chapter 1 of Matthew. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, this is the conception of Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of the life of God in the flesh. God, the King of creation, being born into creation. And we've got to see it from Joseph's perspective at this point. He's pledged to be married marry, She's as good as engaged to, and committed to her future husband, but before they get married and come together in, in sexual union, she's found out. She's busted. She's pregnant with someone else's child. Now, Joseph, he could be nothing but gutted at this point. He doesn't know that God, through the Holy Spirit, through the miraculous... Has enabled the beginning of the Godchild, Jesus. To Joseph, Mary is just unfaithful. God's work here, do you see the conception of the king of creation? It's very, very subtle. It's done so quietly that not even the husband of Mary, who is gonna bear the Godchild, not even he knows about it. He doesn't see it as being undeniably the hand of God. He looks at his wife and wants to divorce her because she's been unfaithful. Now, Joseph, he's got something to his credit. We can learn a lot from Joseph because he's a person who listens to the subtle tones of God speaking. Let's um, continue looking at this verse from verse 20. It says, But after he had considered this, divorcing his wife, or Mary, sorry, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Joseph hears from God in a dream. A dream that told him that his wife was pregnant with none other than the Son of God. A boy who would be called Jesus, who would grow up to save people from their sin and death. A dream that told him that his wife was going to give birth to Emmanuel, God with us some dream. Now we don't know whether this was a one of those really full-on vivid dreams that you get or if it was really subtle. We probably tend to read this account as being really obvious to Joseph that it was so clear that he no longer had any doubts whatsoever that his wife was going to bear God's child. I'd say he might have had some, as if he was walking, so obvious that he was walking down the road. God knocked him to the ground, gave him this dream, and then he awoke and he had a parchment, and it was a written copy of the dream he just had, and it was written in a really nice script that only God could possibly write. We think it was that maybe that obvious. If I had a guess, though, I would say that when Joseph awoke from the, from sleep, he had an option, and the option was of really hearing it and believing it. And acting on it? Or it was to put it in the back of his head and say that was a weird dream. Not believing it and seeing his wife as unfaithful and divorcing her. But Joseph, being a man who listened for God, was able to understand that it was from God. And he believed. And then he acted and he did what uh, God told him. It might have been subtle. It might have been very clear. But that's what he did. God wants people to listen to him intently and when he communicates however he does he wants us to respond in belief and then act on it so here's a question for us here's a question for you here tonight how are you responding to god the king how are you responding to god the king how keenly are you listening for god through reading the bible through prayer through other people through prompts from God's Spirit, through the beauty of nature, through dreams? Do you believe what He wants you to do? Are you acting on it? You know, I wonder how good Joseph was at picking up the subtle hints of Mary. Um, he was pretty good at hearing from God. And we can learn so much from what, how Joseph responded. I mean, that last verse that says, uh, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, that speaks volumes of his faith, of his responsive faith in God. He would have been in a world of confusion. He really would have, knowing that God was in it, but not fully comprehending things, yet still having faith. You know that whoever you are here tonight, whoever you are, God the King is without a doubt speaking to you. Might be subtle, might be crystal clear. But do you hear him? Have you been hearing him? Will you believe? Will you act? We're going to continue now.
1: Well, responding to the king, Joseph and Mary. Um, made their way to Bethlehem. The reason they did that, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2 and the first verses there, is because Caesar Augustus had given an official order, like a decree, and he'd made this decree that a census should be taken. And it would be taken of the whole entire Roman world. And because of that, Everyone had to go back to the town that they were from to register. So Joseph went back to Bethlehem with Mary. When they arrived there, they found that uh, so many people were there that there was no room for them in the inn. And so they ended up being in a stable, uh, maybe a a simple room in the back of the inn. Uh, Some people have said that it's kind of... Uh, might have been a place that was kind of with an overhanging, um, just a, a simple shelter overhanging the back of the inn where the, the cattle would would stay in a fenced off area. Some people have said perhaps it was a cave sort of underneath the inn, dug out into the side of the hill. But it was pretty minimal. And there, just in this A lowly place uh, with cattle around and in the middle of the night, Jesus was born. He was wrapped in cloths. He was placed in a manger, in a food trough where animals ate from. And he was placed there. One holy night when Christ was born. This was fulfilling what the angel has said to both Mary and Joseph. And as they saw this un- come, come true, as they saw, as she gave birth, they would have been rejoicing about that. And not so far from there, in verse 8 of uh, Luke chapter 2, it says, And there were shepherds that were living out in fields nearby, and they were keeping watch over their flocks. And these shepherds, um, were often people that were seen in those days as outcasts. It wasn't a really good job to have. If you came home and said, I'm marrying a shepherd, it's not good news for uh, the, the family wouldn't be so wrapped. They were usually out in the fields, mining their sheep away from people, and people were happy that they were away from them. Uh, Bethlehem was close to Jerusalem, and at this time of, of year... Uh, there would be many sheep on the grassy fields surrounding uh, Bethlehem, and there would be many sheep that would be uh, grazing there, and the sheep would soon be used for sacrifices in the temple. Many people wonder whether these shepherds were looking after sheep who would be offered in the temple for forgiveness of people's sins. They were looking after lambs on the night. When the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world, was born. What happened? In verse 9, the dark night is filled with brightness. It says in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And I want you to notice their response they were terrified. They were terrified, very frightened filled with alarm, uh, terrified. I, I can remember uh, one day when I was about 14 years old, walking out at a home and just putting my hand on the doorknob to pull the door shut as I walked out. And on top of the door handle was a big huntsman spider. And I grabbed that door handle, not looking, and realised I had a huntsman in my hand. Terror. i, I screamed. My mum and dad came in, what's wrong? But I really screamed with terror. They thought something ghastly was happening and it was. I remember remember walking in lawn um, at the back in the National Park together with our family and Alex, uh, my uh, oldest daughter, who would have been about seven at the time, stood right on a snake. Now, I was right next to her and I could see it at the back. She jumped high in the air and the snake came behind me. Terror. (laughs) Very frightened. Again, we we all screamed and it was horrible. When it says they were terrified, it would have been that but ongoing terror as as they looked at these angels. It must have been full of fear right from the bottom of their sandals. To the top of their shepherd staffs, the angels really needed help. I would have thought at this point to, to calm down. So uh, the angels said to uh, the, the shepherds, "Would have need help to calm down." So the angels said to them, "Do not be afraid." I guess I might have calmed them down a bit. And then the angel announced, "I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today in the town of David." A saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And if that wasn't enough, seeing this angel talking to them and being terrified and uh, just starting to slowly calm down, uh, verse 11 says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, Praising God and singing. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favour rests. This great company literally means a multitude. And they're not talking about 50 angels here, not even talking about 150 angels or uh, 1,500 angels. I, I think the number would have been beyond count. And I would imagine that. Every angel was there for this important event, filling the sky from side to side, singing glory to God in the highest. I think some of those, those shepherds must have just wished they had their mobile phones on them ready to take this. You know. What a moment. What an incredible event to happen. Then look how it says they responded. Verses 15 to 20. Says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. I love these shepherds in the midst of fear and terror and skies filled with angels. They disappeared just as quick as they came and the shepherds must have looked at themselves and said, we better get moving quick. Let's go. And I think before uh, they could have even stopped to grab their breath, they they were running. The shepherds were uh, perhaps camped about a mile from the inn and they certainly would have taken off running, leaping, jumping over fences as they went right right down towards Bethlehem. And they would have come to the enclosure wide-eyed, ready to see what had happened. And they would have been panting and out of breath and they searched around the stalls. and, And right there they found a mother in the corner and a baby lying there in a feeding trough immediately the text says they began to announce the good news, to tell what the angels had said and to confirm what had been happening and start to spread what had been going on, telling everybody who would listen about the wonderful news of this birth. It says they left glorifying God and praising him for all that it had experienced. Do you know, I want to ask you tonight, how do you respond to the king tonight these uh, shepherds in the reading have shown us clearly that it's not enough i think to just uh, hear about jesus even if it's angels telling you it's not enough just to listen to that news and then get back to what you're doing as though you hadn't heard anything for them they knew straight away that immediately they needed to act on what they had seen and heard They needed to go to Jesus. It's not enough to peek through the manger, into the manger, and say, what a nice, beautiful baby. What a lovely scene. What a a lovely feeling I get at this gorgeous little baby. The truth is that even if Christ had been born in Bethlehem a thousand times over, but not within your heart, it doesn't make a hoot of difference to your life. The Christ who was born into the world must be born into your heart. Religious uh, fervour at Christmas time, kind of uh, getting very excited once or twice a year is not how the shepherds responded. They immediately acted on what they'd seen and they went and they worshipped and they praised God, telling everyone this event had changed their life. I wonder, Christmas time, have you responded immediately to Jesus? Jesus? Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. The only way to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is through taking a step of faith, through trusting in him, through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Not just the baby who came in the manger, but the one who grew and died on a cross and rose again and today wants you to, wants to know you and him, you to know him more than just a story. But to know him as God. This week we had a, a Christmas get-together uh, in our neighbourhood and I heard about it and Mandy had said remember it's Tuesday night uh, six o'clock and I got home and I sat down and I started uh, making some tea watching the TV and at about nine o'clock I realized I'd missed it I'd missed the whole party I was bitterly disappointed and you know uh, I think for many people Whatever, whenever we hear news or receive an invitation, how we respond is so important. The shepherds could have missed the most important time, most important event, and not seen Jesus. Tonight, as you respond to the invitation from Jesus this Christmas, don't miss the best invitation ever. Amen.
2: Well, in Matthew um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, it says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king, the king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose and we have come to worship him. You know, Epiphany is the day we celebrate the visit of the Magi or the wise men. And not much is known about these uh, visitors other than what Matthew records here. We know they were from the east and they studied the stars. Some people have said they came from as far away as Syria. We also know that they had some knowledge of the history and the prophecies concerning Israel. They followed the star to Bethlehem. But contrary to the popular nativity scenes, they probably arrived sometime within the first year of Jesus' birth. If we turn to Matthew um, chapter 2, we'll notice in verse 11 it says that, and going into the house, they saw the Christ with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Mary had moved from the manger into the inn. There's also no mention of the number of wise men, although it has been assumed that there were three based on the three gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. What did the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh stand for? Some have said that the gold stood for his humanity or because he was a king. The incense for his divinity or because he was God and myrrh for his death or because he was myrtle, uh, mortal. Sorry, myrtle. <laughs> he was mortal, and of course they used myrrh to embalm um, people in those days. So we don't even know exactly what the star was like. But these wise men were familiar with the current widespread belief that the time was ready for the appearance of a king to be born in Judea. Even religious tradition has given the three wise men names and there's no um, assurance that these were their names but tradition says that they were called Balthasar, Caspar and Melchior. Even with all these unanswered questions, we do know for a fact that these wise men came and worshipped Jesus. It was an important enough event for Matthew to add it to the story of the birth of Jesus. This was God announcing his long-awaited son's arrival on the earth to the Gentile world. Now, some of you might be familiar with horoscopes, with astrology. I hope you're not too familiar. But the idea that the stars rule the destiny of our lives is what we understand astrology to be. These astrologers or wise men read the stars to see how they ruled our lives. But then they saw a new star, a star that moved strangely in the night sky, something they had never seen before. They were curious. They knew the skies better than the average person today would. They knew that comets, planets, stars, and other natural phenomena did not travel like this new star. So they responded to the star and they set out on a journey towards this strange star following this strange star that spoke of a great king and they came to bethlehem and found mary and joseph a baby the star child named jesus now it's not surprising that the astrologer's journey and reasons for it would become known to king herod and that he would be disturbed and trouble because the last thing he wanted was the presence of a rival king in the Jewish land. If we turn to um, Matthew chapter 2, we'll see that um, when the um, Magi came, King Herod uh, said to them, Stay here until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Sorry, go back. We saw a star in the east, it says, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Then he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law and he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be but the shepherd of my people Israel. So Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. You know, this threat of a rival king was so serious to Herod that later on in verse 16 we read that Herod went about and when he realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned about them from the Magi. So Herod's response to the news of the king being born, very different to the response of these Magi, We're going to look at that response in a moment. But I wonder, just for a moment, why did Matthew include this story in his Gospel? No one else did. Luke had the shepherds that we just heard. Mark and John had neither stories. Why did Matthew choose to include this odd story of the wise men from the East? I wonder if it was the oddness of Matthew's own life that made him include the strange wise men from the East in this gospel and only this gospel. Do you remember the story of Matthew, a tax collector, despised, turned disciple and gospel writer? You know in those days you paid your taxes to the Emperor but then you paid the special tax to the tax collector. You paid the tax or you got beat up or worse and that was who Matthew was, a tax collector. He's the only one that records the response Of these strange Eastern astrologers uh, that come and pay homage to the King of Kings. Matthew answered the call of Christ and changed from being a thug for the Roman government into a different person, into a disciple and a gospel writer. Perhaps that's why Matthew included this story of the strange ones who find Jesus, of the foreigners who answer the call of God to journey from what they knew to what they didn't know, following the new star and finding a new way in Christ. You know, these astrologers were probably Eastern mystics. And when you think about that, it's quite remarkable that they would respond to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You know, um, last year, the year before last, sorry, over at the community centre, there was like an education day where all of the groups that had run um, programs in the community centre had set up shop and they were um, explaining to anyone that would come and participate what their particular program or interest was. And we'd run a couple of courses at the community centre, so we set up shop as well. And it was absolutely fascinating. We had belly dancers, we had Reiki um, healers, we had um, astral travellers, we had a whole range of spiritual mystics that had set up shop in the community centre and here we were, our our, uh, little Christian stand right in the middle of it all and it was just this amazing um, colour but strangeness. And, you know... That is the type of people that actually came to pay homage to the king of kings. They were the very people who responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It makes me think that when our hearts are open to the truth, to Jesus Christ... And his word in our hearts, that it doesn't matter where we are, we can respond no matter what position we have, no matter how far away from God we are. So, what what was the difference between Herod's response to Jesus and his birth and the Magi's response? Well, Herod responded to the news of the Messiah's birth by death and destruction, by simply killing all the children to and under. The Magi responded by faith and followed a star as they searched for peace and found it. Herod wanted to keep his position and treasures and responded with, with absolute immovable power. The Magi wanted to submit their authority and responded in awe as they worshipped him and they gave away their treasures. Jesus said in Matthew ten thirty nine, whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The Magi were prepared to give not only their gold, frankincense and myrrh, but to submit and give themselves to Jesus Christ. What about Herod? With all his wealth, he was part of the ruling and predominant power of the day. And yet he responded with fear. The Magi were from the east and were strangers and marginalised. You imagine A person who practised astral travelling or Reiki coming into the church and seeking God, how would we respond? And they had no power in Israel, yet they recognised the greatest power the world has ever known and responded with reverence. Herod was deceptive, lustful, bloodthirsty and powerful, listening only to his own greed The wise men were courageous, honourable and responded to the Holy Spirit, even though they practised and probably still continue to practise Eastern mysticism. You know, 1 Chronicles 28.9 says, The Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will reject you. Forever, I think the Magi's hearts were open to seeking the true God and they responded accordingly. You know, Herod responded to the news of Jesus' birth by calling the Sanhedrin, the Jews, to find out more, to find out where the um, child was to be born. And they, like Herod, continued to plot to kill the Son of God all his life and God heralded the news to the gentiles through the magi and they responded to the news with worship how are we to respond in 1 corinthians 1:20 1, it says where is the wise man where is the scholar where is the philosopher of this age has not god made foolish the wisdom of the world for since in the wisdom of god The world, through its wisdom, did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded miraculous signs and Greeks looked for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, even Eastern mystics. For those whom God has called, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Herod was called a king. He was powerful and people responded to him with reverence and fear. He responded to them with a tyrant's reign. Jesus' birth teaches us about power and control, that Jesus usurped the whole concept of power. In his humbleness, he was called king, but people were given free choice whether to respond to his kingship in worship or to reject him. The Magi, who were not even Jews, decided to respond with worship to Jesus as king with all they had. Saint Jerome says, the Magi should be a great comfort to us. They brought all that they had to the Lord, not just their expensive presents, but their very lives. How are you going to respond to our Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Maybe you feel a little bit different Maybe you feel a little bit left of centre. Maybe you feel that you're, you're not part of the mainstream. You know, I believe that Matthew, who never really felt part of the mainstream, who was despised himself, included this story as truth of the Magi for people such as you and I that might have one day felt left of centre, somehow not measuring up, somehow wise in our own way, but but not recognised by the mainstream. The Magi, unlike the scholars, like the Sanhedrin of the day, took a step of faith, followed a star, and found Jesus you know they departed changed so what can we take home from all of this tonight well I don't think we can ever judge a person's response to Jesus Christ by his or her appearance I don't think we can ever underestimate the transformation in someone's life after meeting Jesus. Sometimes the journey to meet with Jesus takes many twists and turns, but you need to keep following the truth, and you will get there. And even if your walk or your journey feels dry, or you feel like you're halfway there, or you feel like you're in the desert. Keep following the truth because you will arrive and you'll find life. You'll find the King of Kings. When a person comes in direct contact with Jesus face-to-face, conversion will happen. Respond openly and willingly to the Christ child. How will you respond? How you respond to Jesus Christ affects your eternity. It affects your life, not just now, but it affects your life forever and ever and ever. Matthew recorded the response of a king who had power, who is now dead and buried and in hell. But he also recorded the response of wise men who were different, who were from the east, strange people, but he knew their heart and they responded with reverence and awe. How will you respond to the king? Let's pray and let's not leave here tonight without responding to him totally, with all that we have, with all our gifts, with all our hearts, with all our lives. And for those of you who have never done that before, please this Christmas don't leave here without doing that, without speaking to someone about how you respond with your life to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we come before you. We thank you so much for the richness of the Christmas story, the fact that you came to earth and you exhort us to respond to you, not just with our head but with our heart and with our actions to be transformed, to be changed people. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much that we can come and we can do this, that you, you desire for us to do this and you desire for the lowly, for the different, for the strange, for the humbled and even the mighty to respond to you. You came for every man and woman, every child. Oh, Lord, we just pray here tonight in your presence that there would be people here tonight that would choose to respond with their whole life to you. We thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy of our whole and total life response. In Jesus' name, amen.